The material provided today is for informational purposes only. It should not be considered legal or financial advice. Consult with a financial professional for your own needs. Johnny Sestina and Company disclaims any and all liability for the interpretation and use of the content provided today. I need help getting out of my student loan I'm debt. so worried. How am I going to afford taking care of my When's parents? When's a good time to get into the market? I'm really not sure when I should start taking my Social Security. I wonder if I have enough insurance. I wonder when I can retire. It's time to talk about your money. Managing to be wealthy. Our team of fee-only financial planners is ready to help you to create better financial habits. Envision your long-term goals and understand money management better than ever. Our resident hosts of Johnny, Sestina, and Company are on deck to show you the way. Greetings. Hello and welcome to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. I'm your host in studio tonight, Tony Payne. With me are John Sestina and Tyler Cook. Great to be here with you guys. Great to be with you, Tony. Tyler, how's it going? I know you're at locations unknown right now. I am. You know, I, I was hoping to be there in person, but you may hear my voice. I'm a little under the weather, so I, I thought it best to uh, call in and, and join this way. But it, it's been a while since I've been on the show, so I'm, I'm glad to be happy to be back. I feel like we've got the band together today. Yeah, really. John, Tony, Tyler, <laughs> we're rocking and rolling today. Well, as we know, yeah. we're here to talk financial planning. What kind of financial planning today? The theme is, is the idea buy once, cry once really true for major purchases? John, have you heard that before? I've never heard that saying before. Really? No, really. Okay. That's probably because I can never buy anything. (laughs) That makes some sense. (laughs) Tyler, had you heard that before? You know, I hadn't, actually. I was kind of in the same boat as John, so I'm, I'm curious to learn the origins and where you came up with that. Well, there's an old saying here. And again, I have to say old saying just because I've heard it from family my whole life with the idea of you buy once, you cry once. You know, if you buy cheap, you kind of get what you pay for. But we all know there's certain things that that may not apply to. And then when it is a major purchase, what are the best ways to do that? So that's what we're hoping to talk about today and really cover together as a group. So, John, I'm looking at you and that wonderful beard you have. (laughs) Have you made any large purchases lately? Give me your credit card history here. Uh, uh, large purchases. Let's see, I, we went to dinner last week. That might have been a large that purchase. That might have been it, you know. <laughs> what so, kind of wine were you drinking? No, I've made any large purchases in quite a while. Okay. Tyler, you're in a different phase of life here. Any large purchases lately? Yeah. Uh, does the house count? I think that counts. Oh, that counts. Well, well that was years count. ago, Tyler. <laughs> it, it feels like it. It's, it's funny with, with COVID, you kind of lose track of time, but... Uh, yeah, it's been about a year and a half. So, and, and it's the you know gift that keeps on giving, like we talk about. But it's it's not just the the house purchase. But you know, I could probably go through. And I, I'm going through it in my mind right now. There's the subsequent purchases right after the house. We talk about that all the time. So, I, I think Tony, I've made several large purchases here in the last uh, last two years. Oh, you're going to be our great taste, test case today, then, Tyler. I I know you have a similar philosophy, though. I know you're, I think you spend well when appropriate and not too much necessarily. That's me judging you now, Tyler. But what would you say there? Do you think when you make your buying decisions, is it buy once, cry once? Or how do you think, feel about that? Uh, I haven't cried about the house yet. So (laughs) that's a good one. I think think that's a good starting point. But um, I'm a little weird, maybe I don't know if that's the right term. But, you know, like the house, the house thing was kind of, kind of just a, very strange scenario so you know i i was previously married you know got divorced a long time ago seven or eight years ago now and um sold my house at that point and moved into a condo and and rented for a long time and of course you know took john's advice when we talk about renting versus buying and 
um, you know, that worked out really well. And then just kind of followed the right, you know, the discipline strategies of, of saving and, and knowing at one point that I, I did want to have a house again for a, for a family. And uh, of course now remarried and have a 15 month old. So I knew that timeline was coming. Uh, but as far as the large purchases, I didn't really know when. So it just, it just happened on, uh, let's see, it would have been 2018. Yeah. 2018 just went out for a, a drive and there was actually a foot of snow on the ground and I have an SUV and we went out for a drive and there was a neighborhood about a mile from where we lived. And we said, let's go check it out with my uh, fiance at the time. And next thing you know, <laughs> we're in contract to build a house. So I could do something like that on a drive, but I've been waiting six months to buy new Apple AirPods <laughs> waiting for the next <laughs> ones to come out. So <laughs> See, isn't that the way it works though? The, the emotional, let me say, almost decisions, which are right. I mean, almost spur of the moment when you feel it. I mean, there is something with being prepared to go with your gut. You may not know exactly what it is, but it doesn't mean that you just flip a switch or you sign up for a lot of debt or something, but you prepare yourself in advance to be in the position that when you are on that drive or when you are out and you see that thing, that you are in the position to go get it. John, I know you've coached people over the years in major purchases. Any thoughts to share with us? Well, always, as you know, I say you should save up the money first. And so when you go to buy something, if you don't have the cash, then you really cannot afford it, So even a house. So that means that uh, you'd be saving up and that'd be setting your mind, getting your mind in line for this big purchase, talking it through, thinking it through, and saving up this amount of money and Therefore, you can have a glorious life. Or mm -hmm. you can go out and get a mortgage and be on a chain for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe 15. Oh, some. Some. You're right, though. <laughs> but no, that's. And when you say have the cash, do you mean have the cash sitting there in your checking account? Yes. Okay. So if you're you gonna... have to write a check, you know, and it has to be indoor, what certified and all mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Okay. So you have to have it on hand. Would that include a house? Yes. Okay. Cars? Yes. A boat? Nobody buys boats, Tony. Okay. Well, they let you finance them for 30 years, so I was thinking you'd apply the same theme. I would. If I were to buy a boat, I would pay cash for it. Okay. Okay. My motorcycle paid cash. Mm-hmm. So, no, you got to pay cash for this stuff. Do you believe in the rewards credit cards at all? Oh, you're going to go there already, huh? I'm jumping ahead a little, I but see I'm, that. I've got you right where I want you, John. <laughs> Well, sure, I believe in the rewards. If they're going to give you rewards and not bump the price at all or charge you something for it, I think it's an added benefit you can take advantage of. Okay, okay. So you may have the cash, but you may not always pay with cash. Sometimes you might take the financing, that's what I'm hearing. Financing? What's that got to do with rewards? Well, financing is rewards, right? I mean, that's a no, credit card. No, no, Tony. Okay, help me I'm understand, I'm talking John. about, you know, when I use my Southwest credit card, I right? get credit so yep. I can use them to buy my next ticket. Okay. Okay. Tyler, you were chiming in there. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a, it's a temporary use of the credit, but not incurring any interest charges is, is the key and paying it off. Right. Excellent. Okay. Well, okay. I know I was jumping ahead there, but I had John right there. <laughs> so Tyler, if we go through and think about buy once, cry once, you know, if we're just going to spend on even a nice <clears> TV, <throat> I mean, again, I think we're outfitting the house. Well, so, go ahead. Yeah. So the same thing. This is where I'm very weird. Uh, bought the house and, and uh, had a lot of space. And, of course, and, and I wanted a, a bigger TV. You know, of course, right? That's how it happens. Nothing wrong with the existing TV, but 
it was definitely a want versus a need. Uh, but again, saved did all the right things to be able to pay cash. And I'm not kidding. For six months, I used blue painter's tape, and I put, I measured off what the new TV would look like on the wall. <laughs> That's my wife, true story. And I put little tape around the existing TV to see what it would look like. And I, I mean, I went to Costco every week, walked by that TV, was like, nah, not today. <laughs> and I just, I would so try to avoid the the crying aspect, right, and avoid that buyer's remorse. So uh, I have. There's another one. Yep. All right. There's a nice new TV on the wall now. So yeah, yeah, yeah the one you're looking at. Well, I mean that philosophy is so good. That's what you do for college education, isn't it? We save up for college education. We save up for retirement. So you put the money ahead of spending it, and that's what you did with the TV. And that's what yep. I'm suggesting people do with purchases. See, and this is where we're going to talk about the rest of the day here because we've got a lot more themes here within buying ones, cry ones. I mean, there's a lot of major purchases people make over life. We gave some examples already. And what is a major purchase? It's really subjective. So we'll talk about that in greater detail next too. And whether you do that by yourself, whether you do that with someone else, including someone in your plan, that's pretty important. So as we come up against the break here, if you have questions relevant to your plan or you're interested in getting help, feel free to give our office a call at 614-326-3077. Happy to set you up with it, a consultation where we can review your plan, have you complete a questionnaire, see if we could help. So when we come back today, we'll be talking about those big purchases. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Greetings. Hello and welcome back. You're listening to Managing to be Wealthy. You've got Tony in studio, John here, Tyler's here. We're having fun today talking about major purchases, some of the fun stuff in life, and, of course, trying to do that responsibly. So when you were ending that segment, John, you were talking about doing it responsibly, having the cash available to purchase something if you're going to make a purchase. Right. We know there's some tools out there that kind of do the opposite of that. They let you walk in the store, purchase something, and walk out on a payment plan. Have you heard of those? Well, there's sure there's the layaway or there's a credit card or they have their in-house financing program. Yeah, there's lots of those. And Tyler, have you? Yeah. Yep. Actually, I did one of those in, in college. I'm not proud of it, but uh, I learned through that experience for sure. So, I mean, there's some of the big names out there and you're seeing the commercials now. I asked John for the break, you know, if he knew who Klarna was and he looked at me funny. But these are the kinds of programs that are out there where they're basically banks. They're doing financing. It's separate than credit cards. So they're not charging interest on the balance. They're usually charging a percentage of the purchase. So it almost doesn't matter how quick you pay it off. You've paid your fee just by using that method. Well, let me see now, Tony. That sounds to me like when someone doesn't want to uh, take advantage of declining balances, and they want to pay, let's see, what is that called? The rule of seven? What is that? Let's keep going with that. <laughs> no, no, keep going. Yeah. That's how they get more money because even if you pay it off after one payment, you still have to pay the total amount, mm-hmm. interest and principal together. Exactly. So, Tyler, as you went through this, did you have any thoughts, these afterpay kind of deals? 
Yeah, you know, you, you look at it from a, a cash flow perspective. Is how I always approach everything. Um, but I think it's the slippery slope, right? It's the, the the fear that we have as planners and what we see every day is just people lack the discipline to to really use it correctly or to their best benefit. And there's a lot of reasons for that, of course. But uh, I think it can be dangerous. But if if used appropriately or or correctly, go back to the credit card scenario in store credit cards. Uh, I did that with with Best Buy many years ago. Again, these darn TVs seem to be a theme here with me, but um, <laughs> I'm noticing. I remember in college. In college, I did it, and I, I opened up a credit card, and I, did, I never paid a penny in interest, but I took you know the, the whatever it was, the 12-month, 0% financing, that type of stuff. But um, what did I do? I, I added an actual payment to my cash flow. So there was still something there you know, from a cash, per, cash flow perspective to pay attention to. Uh, but I think that, again, a lot of times it, it's the, the – most people would – I shouldn't say most. I don't have any stats to back that up, but I feel like a lot of people would take the break not pay, you know, other than what would, the interest would be due and then have a big payment due towards the end. So that's a concern, I think, is just overall the uneducated uh, folks that are getting into these things and don't really know what they're doing. Yeah, John, you were starting to get into that, though, with what you were hinting at. It's really an amortization table. Right. So understanding right. what compound interest is. So if you bought something for $1,000 at 3% interest, you're not just paying $1,000. You're paying that 3% interest, too, and that's an important part when you look at the sticker price, especially if something's on sale. If it's on sale and they're marking it off less than what they're going to make in interest, it's not really a sale if you do that. No kidding. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're, I see. Again, very logical, now. I hope, today. But mm -hmm. the, the idea, and, and this is really back to the theme of buy now, pay later. I mean, that's what they're doing here. And, again, this, this specific group, they're not banks because they're not charging interest. They're charging late fees though, and then they're also not checking anyone's credit. Right. So again, for some people, they're giving them access to things. If they're responsible, pay on time, it's a good thing. Not attacking the business model necessarily, but it's easy, like you said, Tyler, to compound these things and then get behind if you get any interruption in life. You know, once you paid something off, you don't have the bill anymore. Well, and you know what else to examine? I read in one of my finance books a hundred years ago. Okay. And this professor made the point that if the average American would eliminate paying interest on all the things he pays interest on, the family would have an uh, extra. I'm making this number up now, but it would have an extra, say, half a million dollars. Because over the years, when you finance the refrigerator, <clears throat> finance the credit card, and so on and so forth, you're falling behind. That's money wasted. It's gone. The bank likes it, but you shouldn't like it. So what Tyler was doing, he was paying attention to the payments so he did not have to pay the interest. Right, right, exactly. And that's so important. I mean, what you're saying, though, I mean, relate it to the average person. You're sitting there. You know what you make. You know what your bills are. If you can get any extra, it's a great thing. Right. And when you're looking at where's my money going, if you have, quote, debt payments to break that payment down, you know, it's not just the $500 for the car. Some of it may be principal. Some of it's going to be interest. You might even have fees in there. And part of this goes back to our process of get the data. So you've got to know where your statement is, your complete statement, not just, hey, the payment came out this month, but to be able to open up the statement, look at it, analyze it, and say, am I paying more for what I bought because of something I did? And then maybe attack that. 
And again, this hopefully is basic stuff, but we have to be conscious of it. It's so easy to go into the store, see that wonderful TV, get emotional, say, that's going to be so great for the kids, come home, and next thing you know, you got a $200 month payment. Right. A good financial plan is always boring. <laughs> we it, like boring. Yeah, we do, because it, it keeps you from getting into crazy spots. You know, those people who lost their jobs and had payments, where did they end up? That's the pressure. And you sure don't want that pressure. What if you wanted to move to another state because you could get a job there, but you couldn't hear, but you're locked in, you can't pay off your house, or whatever the case may be. So debt is not a good thing. Oh, Yeah, I'll never forget, John, 17 years ago now when we when I first started working for you. But uh, I remember in one of those meetings with you, you sat, you sat down and we were going through an amortization schedule for a client at that point, and you said, you know, if people understood how this table worked, nobody would ever buy a house. I've right. heard you say it many, many times over the years, uh, but that, that same concept can be applied to other major purchases like the TV or vehicles or other things, uh, just to the idea of what we're talking about with, with compound interest, so how it can work against you. Uh, so that, that's, that's where I think, you know, passion that we have as a firm is to keep educating people about that, doing workshops, because we know, again, in school, it's, it's not, they're not getting taught all these things in school. So, uh, trying to do our part to teach. But I think the problem is the marketing campaigns are really good. Uh, you see them from all the different uh, major companies that are out there, whether it's a car or a house or a TV or, or appliances, whatever it is. Uh, and we're brain trained to think a certain way about what's my payment going to be and forgetting about the rest of the aspect of what you're actually doing. So right. You notice uh, when they advertise cars today, they don't tell you the price. They just tell you the payment each month. That's a great point, John. So right on yep. your point, Tyler. <laughs> yeah, and then you got, I paused the TV. I'm, again, go back to me being weird. It's another thing. I paused we the TV. We could do a whole show on that, it sounds close. like. I don't have to get as close now because the TV's bigger so I can see it from further away, <laughs> which is great. But the fine print, and I, I'll read it, and it says, you know, the full details, right? Here's the purchase price. Here's the APR. But, but you're right. The giant number on the screen with that little asterisk next to it, which is the details, right? That's yep. all people look at is the number. You bet. You know me, Tyler. I, I will use that wonderful remote and pause the screen on commercials and get up there and read the fine print and the paragraph and a half. They, how would they ever intend for you to be able to read that if they were actually real time? I have no idea. I know we're coming up on another break here, but this is the kind of stuff that as we live our day-to-day -day lives, as we make choices, we always want, where's the extra? Where can I save? Where can I get ahead? Well, this is it. We always tell ourselves, pay yourself first. But if you don't have the money or you've already done things that you don't have the cash available, you need to attack the debt. So we're coming up against the break here. We'll come back, talk about this topic and more. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. Greetings. Hello and welcome back. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy. Tyler, Tony, John are all here. We're going through major purchases, how to look at them, how to pay for them, what kind of research you might do, sharing some examples from ourselves and our personal lives. Tyler, we were going through here talking about basically not getting yourself into a lot of debt, paying a lot of interest, not having basically any extra money because you're paying it all to the bank. Are there any ways to take advantage of credit cards or the bank? Are there any ways to use this as a positive? 
yeah, there's, there's a lot of ways to look at that. And from a, you know, disciplined approach, just in general, talking about credit cards, you know, we're, we're big fans of getting your reward points, whether that's from Amex or Discover, MasterCard, whoever. Uh, but the discipline key is being able to pay that off. But there's some interesting new ways to, to rack up some reward points with you may not think is the conventional method, and that's with uh, people who are renting. So I mentioned earlier, I rented a, a condo for five years, and every month I would send the check to the landlord, and that's just money right out of the checking account. But there's a new startup that's come up with the technology to now be able to pay uh, rent with a credit card and actually use those points towards future rent payments or even build it up towards a down payment on a house, which I thought that was pretty creative. Yeah, definitely. The name of the company is Built Technologies, B-I-L-T, and they've actually partnered with MasterCard, so it seems like someone's done their due diligence here to get a big group with them. But the idea is, like you said, you pay that rent. Do you necessarily build credit anyway? No, you don't. What they're trying to do here as well is to help your rent payments go towards building your credit history, which that's a neat thing too. Like you said, Tyler, there's some kind of interesting things here. I hadn't really seen it before. So going through this, thinking about this, seemed like a neat way to try to build up points to be able to use for meaningful purchases and build your credit history. So, yep, it just comes with that caveat of discipline, right? Just being able to, to pay off the credit card bill when it, when it comes due. Um, I think that's the key. But all about getting rewards points, and if you can get, get credit or points towards a future goal, and, and it kind of works towards your goal of, of saving for a house, down payment, something like that, if that is the goal, uh, I think it's pretty neat. I, I think it's creative. Um, you know, I, there are companies that, that currently accept credit cards, kind of those bigger landlords or multifamily-type setups. But for, you know, the mom-and-pop shops, things like that, this might be a, a really cool value add to attract, uh, you know, good tenants and, and people that are looking to make their money work harder for them. Because that's really what's happening here is you're, you're getting a benefit. You're still going to pay your rent. But get the points in the process. Right. And again, I can't, I always hear you in the back of my head, John, when I start thinking to myself here, if that tells you anything, what would John say here? What, what, how would John think about this? I don't know what you're saying, Tony. Oh, I, I'm jumping ahead. Did they design this program for our benefit or for theirs? Well, let me see. They're a business, right? That's yes, legit. Yes, sir. And yep. what is the purpose of a business? Make some money. Make some money for whom? The owners of that business. Yes, the shareholders, not the uh, users. Okay. So okay. what would you guess? No, I would have said the same thing, John. <laughs> I mean, what, what we've said is if you're doing this responsibly, you're paying off the debt, you're buying the kind of house you could afford, then utilizing this probably makes a lot of sense. It's a great program. But if you're using this to try to maybe squeak into a house that you couldn't save the down payment for, it might be enabling you to do something that in the long run might be more costly than what it really is. Again, we know it. Homeownership is a wonderful thing. But for some, it's expensive, too. And if we don't have the capital to support those expenses, it can be a bad time. Tyler, any other thoughts there as I'm blending those two topics? Well, no, you're, you're spot on. I, I remember when we were researching this, too, and, and MasterCard has declined to elaborate on how they really profit from this. <laughs> like, you know they are, obviously, being MasterCard. But the, the key there is with this program, there's no, you know, 2 or 3% fee like you would pay with a PayPal or somebody else. So somewhere in there, the numbers are worked out, of course, on the back end, and it's probably disclosed somewhere when you sign up for this thing. But 
yeah, no doubt, John, that, that MasterCard and Built, they're, they're, they're making a profit from this. I'd be curious to see the details, but you know, they've yet to uh, elaborate on that. Right, and there's nothing wrong with them making a profit. They are, after all, a business, right. and that's a responsibility. The other responsibility is for us as the users to pay attention to some of the things we're trying to point out today. <laughs> well, you mean there's both sides here. I'm afraid there is. Oh, I love it. <laughs> you know, this country was f founded on individualism. Yeah. Not group uh, group stuff. And so as an individual, you are responsible for yourself. You're responsible for where you are and your financial situation and whether you pay interest or not. So shake it up. No, you're right. it's a key tenant of freedom, though. If you're going to have freedom, you have to have personal responsibility. I mean, the two really go hand in hand. So that's exactly what you're saying. It's neat to have these products out there. It's kind of nice sometimes that they aren't regulated if you're using them responsibly. But if you're not and you're getting into trouble, don't do that. That's all we want to say here is just don't do that. When you're making that big purchase, you want to go home. You want to be happy. You don't want to have buyer's remorse afterwards. Do your research. Look at how you're financing this. Make sure that you're really buying the thing that you want. And, of course, if you have a spouse, review that with the spouse. I mean, John, I think that's something you've always taught us here from the very beginning. When you're married, that financial plan is the two of you. That's right. It's both of you. And I think it's a critical that you agree as a couple to what you're going to spend your money on. So. I would only change one thing you said earlier, oh, Tony, okay. Yes, and that is uh, you don't buy what you want. You buy what you need. Okay. So we're all in the want stage. <clears throat> I think recently, wasn't there an Amazon purchase day or something? There, there was. Not as exciting as years past, but there was a okay. couple of days ago. And, and so what happens there? The consumer who's not on his toes, oh, I'm going to save money. So they jump on Amazon, spend money, buy some things they might not have bought. You know, they were marginal purchases for them, and they put their money down. That's not buying what you need. It's buying what you want. No, you're right, though. Being deliberate, <clears throat> it's just like charitable giving with us, too, whether it's someone knocking on the door asking for funds or whether it's you making your plan laying out, what do I need to do this year? What do I intend to do? And that way you're leading. You have the really the reins here. So on that note, we found something else I thought was kind of neat. What was the best month to buy things? It goes right along with what you're saying. If you know what you need and you're going to make that purchase. Tyler, did you review that at all? Did you see any surprises there? Well, I told my my wife was any month is the best month to buy a TV. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that worked out. Uh, but no, it was yeah, it was pretty interesting to kind of dive into that. And, and it's it's pretty neat what you can find out there with different tracking mechanisms. Again, I, going back to the TV thing, I actually Googled this. I, I tried to figure this out because I didn't want to, again, cry once about this TV thing and, and wait a month and be like, oh, I should have bought it a month later. But there's actually people who track this in a spreadsheet. It's available online. I forget the website. But they tracked like Costco, Best Buy, Walmart, all, all the big stores. Uh, Amazon, of course, was in there uh, from a reta retailer side. And they listed by category down to the mo make and model of the type of TV, which month it was best to, to buy it and where from. Um, and I, I probably went, you know, that was analysis paralysis with, with all of that. But I thought it was interesting that uh, throughout the year, it does seem that it, it trends with what's going on in that season, which I might have thought that, you know, buying things off season would be a better time, you know, buy your you know, your Christmas cards in January type thing, which I'm sure there's some truth to that. But January, going back to the TVs, January is the best time, uh, which it says just before the Super Bowl is one of the best times to buy 
uh, TVs and home theaters. So, you know, it, it, it changes. John, National Spaghetti Day is in January, so get your spaghetti <laughs> fix in January. I'm putting but there, there's a whole calendar. list here of, of fun ones like that. So does this? are you telling us you're going to buy another TV? <laughs> we're going uh, to watch the wall on the goal list. I'm not going to tell you how far out, but it may or not. You know, there's other other things we want to do here. And that's honestly, let's, let's keep going with that theme for a second. And we're coming uh, up on the break here, so we'll come back on that theme and keep rolling with it. And we're going to get more into your personal finances here, Tyler. Don't you worry. Uh, we'll be back. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy on News Radio 610 WTVN. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy with fee-only financial planners of Johnny, Sestina, and Company. If you're looking for the latest stock tip or how to time the market, you've come to the wrong place. If you want help navigating all the moving pieces of what makes a financial plan successful, tune in and take notes. Greetings. Hello and welcome back. You're listening to Managing to Be Wealthy. We are talking about major purchases today, the big things that you went out and bought last summer, last fall, last Christmas all those big items that maybe you paid a little interest on, maybe you were a little remorseful after you got home, or you were really happy. Hopefully you were really happy. So, Tyler, you were going through here. We were talking about the best time of year that you were buying things. It sounded like you were going to get a TV maybe again in January or February. <laughs> no, not, I don't have a date yet. It's just on the goal list, right? So okay. we're, we're planning ahead. And that's the thing with the house, right? You buy a house, whether you buy one or build one, and you get into it. And now we've been here about a year and a half, and, you start looking around and thinking, well, what if we did this or what if we did that? Right? It's, I think that's just the way it works with a lot of these things. But when you pull the trigger on some of those bigger goals, I think is the key. So uh, whenever I do get the next TV, don't worry, it'll be part of the goal list. I'll use a credit card, get my points, and pay it right off. Right? That, that's the strategy I like to do. So uh, that, that's the thing, though, is, is it's one thing after the next. And in our environment today that we're seeing, you hear all this discussion about used cars, right? Used cars are at your trading values, things like that are at all-time highs. And I, I worry and be concerned that I think some people may be enticed by a, a pretty attractive offer to take their current used vehicle and trade it in towards a new vehicle. Um, and, again, they're looking at what are they looking at, just what that new payment's going to be on the new vehicle versus, hey, I might have this other one paid off in six months and not have a payment at all. So it's, that's the – you talk about buy once, cry once. I, I feel like that's part of what's going on in today's world with – not just housing, but cars and, and TVs and everything else you see being marketed. Right. The big, second biggest purchase in your life is usually the car. And right now they're anxious for used cars because they want the electronics. They're out of the chips and they have to uh, raid the old vehicle to get chips for the new cars. So it's happening. I mean, what we're seeing now is really inflation all around. It's topic of another day and we've already covered that we will again that tv is going to cost a lot more money <laughs> <laughs> i'm so glad next time john we might go to these new projectors that are out there, okay so we'll okay <laughs> i'm so glad we're picking on tyler today it's, so, it's nice to be on your side for once john good to be back good yeah, to be back. yeah exactly so as we go through though i mean again you're right tyler a car is that big purchase and especially when you combine it with a tool like debt and you're paying interest on that you really want to pull out the amortization table and consult to say, what am I really paying for this? You know, if the sticker price is 22, what is it with that three or four or five or 6% interest? That really changes the price of the car. You know, I've never seen a dealer give you an amortization table. I shocked one one day because I have one in my jacket. You're right, though, John. I, in I, your jacket? I, yeah. Wait. 
Wait, wait, you had one in your jacket? Well, yeah, I, I was, John, you, you've trained Tyler and I well. When I bought my first car, I went there with every tool I thought I might need to negotiate, and the amortization table was one of the tools. Oh, good. All um, right. And and I think they there was a dealership later on where they still had one in the back. It was one of the, it was in a more rural area where they were still doing some of the financing by hand. They, they were, were using they were the actual tables. carriages, was it? <laughs> no, not quite, but they were just using the tables for amortization. Okay. I mean, but, it, it, again, you know what you're paying for when you're able to read the amortization table and flex the interest, flex the terms. I mean, again, that skill, which is math, but once we know it, it's something we can really use in our lives to get more. I was so happy. I was so proud when I came home with that car. I'd negotiated so well, I thought. And uh, that, that's how it happened, John. So, so you're using the term amortization table. Maybe there's some listeners who don't know what that is. Oh, you're right. No, the idea is you're going to be able to look at if I borrow $1,000, this table is going to show different terms. You know, maybe it's 12 months, 24 months, and then it's going to show different interest rates. So then you can see which part of your payment is going towards principal, the actual thing you bought, and then which part of it's going towards interest, the cost of borrowing. So that amortization table is really the key in what, how do I separate the difference in what am I paying for in really principal and then what am I paying in interest? And it shows you by month. By month. I mean, it's, it's perfect. I mean, the math doesn't lie. We know the math doesn't lie. Right. Um, so as, as Your nickname was Professor Payne for a reason, sir. You, you just proved it. So well, <laughs> I, I want to I know back to this. But did you walk in with a, a sports coat on and some you know elbow patches and pull out the – out of your inside pocket, like a true professor. I, I feel offended now, but slightly so. There, there was no tweed on the jacket. There are no leather patches, but uh, John had taught us to, you know, prepare for meetings and be dressed accordingly. Man, now I, I told you I was oh, excited I to not be attacked, and here I am. You turned it on yourself. Yeah, Tony. exactly. Well, in a, in a good way, though. I yep, hope all, I hope fun. everyone shopped with an amortization <laughs> table. Um, as, as I get back to it, though, I mean, again, as we talk it through here. The idea is you're going to make major purchases. When you do, we've got to take some of the emotion out. It's an exciting time. You're buying a house. You're buying a pool. You're buying a boat. You're buying a TV, Tyler. If you're buying those things, you're excited. But you also have to be aware what's the real cost. Yeah, that, that's the other thing I see quite a bit nowadays, too, is we're in a new neighborhood. A lot of new houses going up. Last year, was the neighborhood was finished as far as the build-out of the homes, but this year, Every house down the street is putting in a patio of some kind. It's unbelievable. And you look at the, the prices from what it costs to put in a paver patio or an extension or whatever from you know, this time last year until now. And obviously lumber's a factor like we've talked about. But uh, I think some people, too, are, are rushing to, hey, I got to get this done you know, before it goes up again. We talked about inflation. But those things are, are where that disciplined approach to really ground yourself and plan ahead for it. Do you really need the patio this year, right? Or is it the want, like you talked about, John? Uh, you see a lot of that in a lot of different sectors, and, and housing and, and vehicles are probably the two that come to mind the most these days. Yeah. Well, and to shift, I mean, it's in relation to cars. I think we've all got the phone calls. They're trying to reach us about our extended warranty. They have a great offer. Tyler, have you ever researched those extended warranties? Mm, you really there... getting me today. Is it, is yeah. there... <laughs> come so, out with it. Out with it, my man. Quick. Yeah. Quick story. So uh, seven years ago, I bought a new vehicle, a new used vehicle. Uh, it had, uh, I believe, 15,000 miles left on the factory warranty. 
Uh, and I went ahead and I said, you know what, I, I, I'm not, I'm going to pass. I'm not going to do it. Uh, lo and behold, as soon as that factory warranty expired, uh, about a thousand miles after that or so, engine went just com- completely died on me. I mean, complete big V8 engine just, just done. Um, there was an issue with the oil, but it wasn't indicating any leaks. It was the whole thing. So that, I, that ended up costing me about ten thousand dollars to to get, to get out of that. And so I, I reevaluated these things uh, with extended warranties, and I, I bought a new vehicle. And um, normally my gut tells me not to do it, but going through that experience previously, I, I was uh, a little more inclined to try it. So I did. So I tried it. So I had an extended warranty on the, the next new used vehicle that I bought. And I've had to use it three times already, and it's more than paid for itself. So I'm, a, I'm an outlier, outlier, I think, to the normal scenario of what you might think when you get a extended warranty it's, it's actually worked for me but i know that's not the case for a lot when that's really the de- but see i think it goes back to what john's taught us that we've got to read the documents get the details and if you're looking and getting the details you might be able to use it more effectively it sounds like you're using them pretty effectively and, i don't and, want to use it but <laughs> yeah and the other possibility is even there with these warranties and such <clears throat> one of the things you can do is estimate what the costs are going to be of repairs and whatever you're concerned about with the car and set up a little reserve fund and compare that to what the premiums on the warranty would cost you. And you may be surprised. Great advice. Again, if the reserve, you don't use the reserve, use it to buy the next car. Excellent. Well, we're coming up. We're wrapping up the show today. We're ending today. We're up on the break. Hard stop here. If you have more questions we didn't cover that you want to talk about individually, feel free to give our office a call at 614-326-3077 or visit our website at managingtobewealthy.com. Hit the Take Action button there. We'll be happy to answer any questions. With that, have a great week.